Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, it's good to be with you, really. Apologies that uh, it's only me that you have here and not my wife and my kids. Um, yeah, it's a quick trip um, that I'm able to do here be, to attend the uh, Doctorate of Ministry program, and so taking this opportunity as well to uh, be with you. And it's really a joy for me to be here. Uh, our family is really, really grateful for you ladies uh, that are praying for us, sending us cards, uh, remembering the, uh, the kids' birthdays. Uh, they're always eagerly looking in the mail for those, uh, for those uh, postcards from you. And uh, it's really a sweet moment to open it together uh, from the other side of the world. And so, as you know, so my name is Fali and uh, I come from the country of Madagascar, which is a uh, real country. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, on almost the other side of the world, um, we are 11 time zones away, as I mentioned this morning at EWG, which is quite impressive, right? If it would be 12, it would be exactly the opposite side of the world. And uh, uh, it's just funny to uh, think that just last Sunday, I was at my church back in Madagascar, and now today suddenly I'm here, uh, you know, Monday night I'm here, I could be here with you guys. So it is a uh, big island, the fourth biggest island in the world, just um, um, a little bit of geography there. If you, sorry, if you took Madagascar and patched it on the east coast of the United States, it would cover a lot of states. So it's a bigger island than a lot of people make it. Um, and if you could see the, the, the one on the complete uh, what's that, left here, my left here, um, this is California. So if you took California and this time and patched it on Madagascar, uh, Madagascar is actually bigger than California. And so, uh, yeah, it's around 85%. Um, California is about 85% the size of Madagascar. So we are a really, really big island. There's 27 million people on the island. And as I like to say, that's a lot more than what you see in the cartoon. Um, that was made by Hollywood. The depiction of Madagascar there has a few inaccuracies, uh, unfortunately. And 27 million people on that island. And it's a uh, population that is quite a mix. And it's with that a mixed culture as well. With Asian influence, the, some of the uh, initial waves of immigration were people coming from Malaysia, Indonesia, and seriously got lost. So they ended up in Madagascar. They were looking for India. So I think they missed a turn or something, an off-ramp. And they ended up in Madagascar. Then we had different other waves of immigration. We had also some uh, Arabic people brought in by the Portuguese as well. Then we had uh, French influence and a lot of African slaves that were brought. And uh, uh, that's a lot of, it's a rich culture, mixed culture, but I like to say as well that we also got the worst of both worlds in terms of the spiritual landscape. Because we inherited, because of that, we inherited Asian animism and African traditional religion. So we got both <laughs> compounded into, into what is the kind of the cultural, let's say, uh, religion or belief in Madagascar. So most Malagasy people do practice ancestor worship. Almost all Malagasy people uh, are born believing in God, in the existence of God. But God is a distant God that constantly needs to be appeased. And our only chance is to do that through ancestors, through the dead people in our family. Regardless of the lifestyle they had while they lived, once they're dead, they're our best asset to 
um, to speak positively uh, for us towards God. So you see how flawed that, that belief is. And so that's what most people hold on to, and they hold on to it dearly to the extent of, in some cases, for instance, the best uh, piece of real estate a family would own is the tomb, is the family tomb. They could be living in, how, in mud houses with thatch roof, but the, but the tomb is made out of concrete and has, you know, is nicely painted and is nicely taken care of because you definitely, for them, don't want to make those ancestors unhappy. So because of that, everything is done to please the ancestors. Sacrifices are done, um, uh, yearly visits, and um, I've... I think I've shared that maybe with some of you earlier uh, before as well, up to a ceremony called the turning of the dead. The turning of the dead is a ceremony that takes place every five or seven years by which the dead people in their family is taken out of the tomb. They change the wrapping of those remains. I'm sorry you're eating, but, you know, yeah, bad timing, folly. Anyway, and, and then they put it back in the tomb. And if the, if the ancestor was lying on the left side, they would lie it on the right side because they're afraid that if he lies on one side too long, he would really, really fall asleep and not be able to intercede anymore. So this is just to tell you, just to give you a glimpse of how the realm of the living and the realm of the dead in the, in the culture of Madagascar and Malagasy culture are very much intertwined. And this tells you as well what shapes their belief Right and what Satan is going to use to deceive them, you know. So um, it, that's you know Satan being the father of lies. He would use whatever those people already believe to convince them of that, you know. And uh, so a lot of people are holding on to those traditional beliefs. Fifty percent of the population in Madagascar is just animistic. Let's say just to hold on to those. Um, traditional beliefs and then another 40 percent in that they would be churchgoers they would go to church they would claim to be christians but yet even though they would claim to be christians they would still they would be at church on sunday but they could be at the witch doctor on monday to ask for a blessing from the ancestors as well might might as well get you know get it from both sides if you can right uh, at least that's what they believe. And uh, so that's what they would do. And then we have around 8% of the population that is Muslim, and it's growing. And, and, and the rest is all sorts of other religions. There's freedom of religion in Madagascar. But let's, uh, if you look at the second picture here, this is zooming in now within the Christian group, let's say among those, the 40% from here that would claim to be Christians. Among that group, we have an increasing number of people following the uh, health and wealth prosperity gospel. Um, we have an increasing presence of them, of coming of, from all sorts of, um, let's say, trends <laughs> of that. But one of the main ones is uh, Joyce Meyer's Ministries. Uh, she has a huge influence there in Madagascar. She has a printing press, and she's printing her books directly in our language. And she has a huge, huge, huge... Uh, influence among women, which is a huge influence because in Madagascar, and I know it's not that different in some other countries, the church attendance is around 70% women. And so a lot of them are influenced by her literature and a, and a lot of her beliefs. The, the, the Catholic church is still very present, but it's, it's really dwindling down. It's kind of dying out. A lot of people are seeing how dead 
it is of a, of, of, a, of a religion, the Roman Catholic. But among that group, I would say that the true evangelical church would be around um, 5%. So that's 5% of 40% of the population. And so there's work to do. There's work to do to bring the true gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, both for, from those, uh, to those who are outside, who are still believing in those ancestor worships or in the grips of other religions, but also for, to, to those who think that they are Christians but are holding on to a wrong gospel. Um, there is work to do, and uh, that's the burden that the Lord placed on our hearts. And uh, um, after a few times that we had um, a few years ago, between 2007 and 2011, where Lily and I had the opportunity to be in South Africa, and we were in a very healthy church pastored by a TMS graduate that some of you may know, Dr. Tim Cantrell, and, and uh, being discipled by him. When we came back to Madagascar, we realized and we really had a burden for leadership training. And so when we um, came back to Madagascar two years ago as a family, we set up this ministry where you see the logo on top there called uh, Madagascar 3M. The 3M has nothing to do with the tape company here in the United States. Um, uh, it stands for the three words in our language for preacher, shepherd, slave, because we truly believe that that's what we need to raise. We need to raise the next generation of faithful uh, biblical pastors which who are uh, preaching God's word, shepherding God's people, and slaves of Christ. And uh, that's what we're endeavoring to do. And that is my family there. Um, for some of you who haven't met them, and uh, you should have prayer cards on your table with, uh, with that picture there. And so, um, so my wife Lily and I have been married for 15 years now, and uh, over 15 years now. And we have five kids. And two boys, Daniel, he's 15, uh, Samuel is um, uh, 11, and then Emmanuel, she's 9, Gabrielle is 8, and Rachel is 7. So um, it's, a, it's a handful, but uh, they're a great bunch, so uh, really, truly a blessing from the Lord. Um, four of them are still being homeschooled by my wife. Uh, my eldest son, our eldest son, uh, managed by the grace of God two year, a year ago, a bit of a year and a half ago, managed to get a scholarship to go to uh, the American school there in, um, in, in Antananarivo in Madagascar. It's a private school and it's one of the most expensive schools ever. Just think, let's say the equivalent of what they're paying there is the equivalent of someone here in the United States paying $10,000 per month per kid to get their kids into that school. That's the equivalent of what it costs there. So um, just imagine my son there being introduced to, to his friends. And so we go around the room, you know, at the beginning of the year. So I'm the son of the ambassador of whatever. I'm the son of, uh, you know, the CEO of whatever and gets to him and says, I'm the son of a pastor, you know. <laughs> and, but the kids knew and they're like, so how did you manage to get in here? <clears throat> and so they know, right? At least they know that pastors are not supposed to make a lot of money. Um, and so, but, but then he was, it was an opportunity for him to, to, to say then again, but that he got the scholarship. And I do believe that the Lord placed him there because those people in those beautiful, let's say, golden jails, they need the gospel too. So uh, he has a lot of friends in high places, let's say. Um, 
but the greatest joy among that, even though he's in this private secular school with a lot of that secular influence, is just last Sunday I had one of my greatest days of my life beside my wedding is that I had the opportunity to baptize him. So this just took place last Sunday. He's, um, he's 15, and uh, we've seen him grow in the Lord. And just that moment was for us almost like a culmination of, you know, of, um, of raising him up in the Lord. And, of course, it's all the Lord's work, and it's the Lord's grace into his life that enabled him to get to that point. But um, for a father, to have the opportunity to baptize your son is, is, a, uh, is a special moment. I... Uh, yeah, I'm still emotional even thinking about it. But anyway, that was, um, that was very, very special. So please be praying for him as he continues to grow and walk with the Lord, and especially in that environment that he's in. Uh, it's a secular school that he's now also pushing for all of the uh, uh, you know, LGBTQIA values and so on um, um, at school. Uh, yes, it, it has reached Madagascar. Um, when that law was voted here in the United States, the embassy in Madagascar was lit in the rainbow colors all night. So just to tell you, it's all over the world. <laughs> it's, uh, it's getting there. And so that battle is one we'll have to, we have to fight as well. And uh, he's already had an issue with uh, one 13-year-old boy trying to seduce him. And he had to and he had to tell him, of course, no, and so on. And he was, uh, uh, that was brought to the attention of the, of the school, of the school management. And so we're still going to see where that takes us. But um, that's everywhere. I told him I would have no problem to pull him out of that school if, if, if that needs to be done. Anyway, enough on that. Uh, again, as we said, our ambition is to be able to identify, train, and equip those who are going to be the next church leaders there in Madagascar. We need a new generation of church leaders. A lot of people in Madagascar are in ministry, like I know in other places, are in ministry for the wrong reasons. Or also, they have the right reasons, but they've never been trained. Within our denomination, um, the denomination that we are part of, around 60% of the churches uh, do not have a trained pastor. They have someone as their pastor, but he's never been to any kind of theological training. And so even though there, is, there are existing seminaries in Madagascar, we do believe that there is a need for a Bible teaching seminary in Madagascar. And so we're working towards that, and we're hoping for it to open in 2022. Uh, please be praying with us, because last time I checked, that's in two years. And I have no clue how we're going to get that done in two years. But, you know, the Lord does, for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that, how that happens, and we really hope for it to be also part of the TMAI uh, network of, um, of seminaries as well. But yes, that's, that's our desire. And in order to identify, train, and equip men for the work of the ministry, we work a lot with young people. First of all, we, we work with them to, to find and identify that next generation of leaders. And one of the things that um, we've done to that regard is that we've started a program called Men After God's Own Heart in which we invite men from within the church setting to come and just to be trained in the Bible. It's a three-year training program for laymen 
But the, 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 the purpose of that is to also see who has the desire and the potential to continue, uh, you know, to, uh, and to develop into a church leader in the future. And so otherwise, we, we are already doing training to existing pastors and leaders, those who are ready in ministry, modular training for those who are in the countryside. And in the capital city, um, I will show you later, uh, we have theology classes and we also do conferences through which we try to help uh, those uh, pastors to be equipped. But the name of the game at the moment, when you, when you come back into a country, there's a lot of, even though you're a national like me, there's a lot of um, um, uh, thoughts that people have in terms of, first of all, you being, you being different and you b having America behind you, you know? So uh, they see you as more like someone that could help them get some money somehow uh, or, or something like that rather than someone that really wants to offer just theological training. So we have to overcome that hurdle as well and get them to uh, see that all we want to do is to train them in the Bible. So we're th this, this phase of our ministry is all about building trust is building trust with the different stakeholders, the different people involved into theological training in Madagascar. But one leg of our ministry that is really dear to me as well is the equipping part. The equipping part is the part by which we see that most of the pastors, especially in the countryside, are really poor. And so because of that, they cannot focus on the work of the ministry because they spend most of their time uh, trying to provide for their families. So one of the things we try to do is that we try to help with some projects, we, um, you know, almost like rural development projects, by which we try to provide them with an in extra income so that they could focus then on the work of the ministry. Um, it is something that is very sensitive, and that's why we are targeting pastors. So people, of course, that are well, normally are already believers, because on the other hand, that's also the Muslims are very active in Madagascar in that front. But for them, it's different. They are providing jobs, incomes, and so on, and even paying people to get to go to Islam. To you know, to 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 um, to proselytize them, to get them to to turn to Islam. So that is happening a lot there. So in that sense, we have to be sensitive, and we're, we're trying to make it clear with the pastors that we um, are only doing it with them to help them, so that they could do the work of the ministry. But that leg of the ministry, for the moment, and especially as I've uh, told you earlier, with me doing my doctorate of ministry and other things going on. We have had to put that on hold. We've made that choice uh, because I just realized that, you know, something that was obvious, we just can't do everything. <laughs> and so at the moment, we are um, praying. And if you uh, wouldn't mind praying with us to identify and to find someone who would like to do business as a mission, you know, to come in Madagascar and just be the, let's say, the, the business guy, taking care of all of those initiatives, uh, taking care of all of those uh, things that we want to do. And we have a lot of projects I've mentioned. Maybe some to some of you are aware of some of it. We're doing cassava planting that we're transforming to ethanol. We're doing, we want to do vanilla flavored peanut butter. We're doing, we want to do a Christian heritage tour um, by which we present Madagascar more on the its historic uh, kind of um, heritage. Um, 
um, and and we we want to do essential oils as well. There's so many things. I, I you know th- I have a crazy mind, so there's a lot of ideas that come up, and all of those are great potentials. But you need someone to run them and to manage them and to to make sure that everything is done right, so that it could be used then for the Lord. That's the purpose of it. So I'm really praying for someone who would have that kind of heart and that would be ready to come and just be let's say the business side of our of our of our missions but for the moment we're still praying for it so there you go that's a quick overview of what you know the problems in madagascar let's say theologically and then as well where do we fit there as a family and uh, what is it that we try to sh- achieve with madagascar 3m but i thought because you know done this different ways but i thought i would share a little bit with you a lot of you being um, being moms or knowing what it is like you know to be a, a family a family uh, what does um i wanted to share with you what does our day look like is that that okay well, even if it's not okay, that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, you're stuck with that. So, uh, so yeah, a normal day for us, uh, as if there is such thing as a normal day, would usually start for the boys at 4.30 in the morning. The reason for that is that the school where my son is in, is on the other side of town. And so he spends a lot of time commuting, as you see there in the middle column. He spends a lot of time commuting to that school around, in average, two hours one way. An hour and a half to two hours one way. Because the bus picks him up first because we're in the southern part of town and the school is in the northwest. And so he picks the, the bus picks him up first and then does the milk run. I mean, yeah, the collection run <laughs> to collect all the other kids until it reaches school. So this, the, the, his day starts very early. I'm really thankful for him. He's a very disciplined boy. He wakes up at 4.30, reads his Bible, prepares his lunch. Um, the day before he has, you know, prepared his clothes and everything. And at 5, we go to my office and we have a uh, time together as boys the, with, with his younger brother. So my 15 and my 11-year-old, we, uh, we study a book together. At the moment, we're doing Craftsman by John uh, Crotz. I highly recommend that book. It's really great. And it's about wisdom uh, through the book of Proverbs. So we do that together. And then he leaves to school and then he comes back in the evening. And I'll leave that part for now. The kids, uh, the other kids wake up at around six. And so they have their little routine. My wife is almost like a general in that one. And she's making sure they're, you know, they're, they're tracking with that. So they're doing their chores and they're having breakfast. And it became kind of something that was random at the beginning, but now has become a tradition. It's seven twelve. I don't know why 12, but that's how it is. We realize that every time at 7.12, the kids are in our room and we're having our, you, you know, our morning Bible study. Then at 8, they're doing homeschool. And then in the afternoons, it's time for extracurricular activities. And I will show you what that kind of looks like um, for them. And then we have our family uh, devotion in the evening. And Daniel does his extracurricular activities, activity, mainly piano, when he comes back for school. So in a way, it's not that much of a different day that maybe a lot of you have. The problem we have is that not a lot of our days are normal. This is what a normal day looks like, but we don't have a lot of those normal days uh, (laughs) usually and unfortunately. But just wanted to show you what what it looks like uh, a little bit in in our family. And then what does a normal week look like? Well, 
Um, during the week, the busiest, of course, for us is towards the weekend. On Sundays, um, I'm not the senior pastor at the church that I'm an elder at. I'm one of the teaching pastors, though. So the senior pastor is mainly teaching on the Sunday mornings, but I'm mainly teaching on the, on the evening service, which is a 3 p.m. service uh, for us. The evening is at 3 p.m. because most of the people take public transport to go home, and we don't want them to do that in the dark. So our uh, evening service service finishes at 4. So uh, I'm teaching that. And then from 4 to 5.30 on Sundays, we have a youth service because 65% of the population of Madagascar is under 24 years old. So we have a lot of youth. So youth service does make sense because we have a lot of, we have a lot of them. And so I'm usually teaching that as well. And so there you go. And then Monday, we would usually be at home, and uh, that's the day that I've committed to prepare to do my uh, homework for the doctorate of ministry. And then the kids are doing swimming and piano. On uh, Tuesday, the, we ha they're doing violin, and Daniel's doing basketball, and uh, swimming on Wednesdays, and piano on Thursdays. And so we, we're, we're not really, you know, we're not really, um, there's always something to do in, the, in, this, in this family. And the Fridays are special days. Every other week, Lily uh, hosts at our home. We're having over all the young women and single women within the church that just come to our house. And Lily teaches them from around 10 p.m. to midnight. And then they just crash somewhere in our living room. We have lots of sleeping bags and usually big, big pots of pasta. And then we're having, uh, we're having all the girls over. Um, and uh, I'm having the men over once per month as well at our house, the young men from our, from our church. So that's something that we love doing. And it's every Friday afternoon that I have my theology class um, as well, when I, where I teach theology. And every Saturday morning, we have this thing uh, that is based at our church called a man after God's own heart. Uh, so it's for uh, lay, training for laymen, sorry. And once that is done, uh, after 9 a.m., it's our day off, theoretically, when there's not something else coming up. But usually we've been pretty good the second part since we've come back from the time we were here in the U.S. to protect, to protect that time. So just to show you a few pictures of, oops, sorry, of what that looks like. So you see the girls playing tennis up there and, and playing violin and homeschool um, there on the top. And uh, my son, so Daniel, has also developed a, a taste for drawing. So that's one of the drawings he did. Yeah, so uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, enjoying, he's enjoying that. That's one of the things he loves doing, drawing and piano as well. Um, and Samuel, for him, it's clarinet, so he loves the clarinet as well. Wanting to show you as well a few pictures of this. This is the uh, VBS. Sorry, the picture got caught a little bit that we, that we did right after our visit here to the U.S. in uh, last September. Um, we had a, around 200 kids where we taught on uh, Matthew 5 to 7 and uh, excited to have another VBS this year. And then in October... We had a pastors' conference where we had around 200 uh, pastors um, uh, as well, and we were able to uh, take them through the book. We're taking them, putting the book apart, and helping them put it back together through the book of Second Timothy with them. So that was a special time in the Word. And then 
a little bit after my wife was already also able to do a um, a women's conference. She did a women's conference on the theme of child rearing. So all of those things are in addition to our normal week. So that's why, as I said, we don't have a lot of those normal weeks or normal days. But when we do, we do enjoy them. Um, I wanted to present you the things that we are looking forward to for this year so that you could pray for us. So that those are the things coming up. Um, two areas that we really want to focus on as we look towards the Bible Preaching Institute that we want to uh, open in the future is the area of uh, expository preaching, of course. But the other area is the area of biblical counseling. And so we're going to start to whet the appetite of the people there in country by organizing a biblical counseling training um, on April 30th to May 2nd. And so that's going to be a, a two-year uh, program that's launched then. Then the second semester will be November 6th to 8th, and same, same thing next year. And at the end, the people that would have gone through the four sessions would get a certificate and would have kind of their initial um, step into exp uh, you know biblical counseling. Um, on, then in May and the whole month of June and a little bit of July, we will have an STM from uh, coming from the Master's University. Really excited about that. We uh, two years ago we had uh, our first STM from the Master's University, and they helped us. Um, with literally church planting. We, we went into a bush, hiked for something like 25 miles, and then we uh, helped them with putting, laying the foundations and starting this church building. Well, long story short, up to now, they haven't been able to finish this church building, so we're hoping to go back in there and help them finish that church building um, this year with, uh, with this team of young, of young people, if you pray for us, because that's logistically complicated um, as well. Um, then we have the joy as well, the end of the July, to have a team from Grace Community Church from here coming um, <clears throat> for um, yeah, a little bit more than 10 days to do a VBS mainly for us, the third ever VBS. So we're really excited about it. The way we've done VBS there in Madagascar is that we do it as a reward for, uh, for, for kids that are regularly into children's clubs. Every week they're being taught the Bible. And for those who are faithfully coming, we invite them to come to that event, which is kind of the, 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 the culminating event for them of the year. And we have lots of fun in God's, uh, in God's word during, during that week. Um, we have the third edition of the International Summit for Expository Preaching in October, the 7th to the 10th of October. Please be praying for that. It's an event to which we're hoping to have around 250 pastors, and we're going to ramp it up a little bit. The, before, we just introduced them to expository preaching, but this year we are going to tackle a topic that could be a little bit more controversial but is necessary, and the, the theme of the conference is, is the Bible God's only revelation? That could be very interesting because uh, we have pastors from every trend of doctrine and so believing dreams, visions, God spoke to me kind of thing. And so um, that's going to be an interesting conference. And we have an amazing lineup that I'm, that I'm so happy about because even conferences in America could be jealous of our lineup. Um, we will have Conrad Mbewe, Phil Johnson, Kevin Zuber, uh, Josh Bice. 
um, that are coming. And one of the men called Guillaume Bourin, who is spearheading basically the French kind of, um, let's say, all gospel coalition type of movement, um, evangelical reform movement, it will be there as well. So we're excited about that. And we're not forgetting the ladies. We're hoping uh, as well to have Dr. Lisa LaGeorge with us. She will come to do a seminar on singleness as well in uh, in October. A lot of single moms, a lot of people, uh, you know, why is nobody asking me out kind of thing. We have a lot of problem like that in the church as well. So, um, so it will be great to have her. This is just to give you a glimpse of all the things that we're expecting to do this year. But there's there's a few other things. As for the as for the plans, uh, well. We're hoping now that the Ellingsons will finally <laughs> be able to join us by the month of October. The, when they're done with their language learning, they probably will have to come back to the U.S. to get a few things uh, sorted. And then they will come. And we're very, very, very excited about that. Though we're trying to temper our excitement, we're trying to calm our excitement a little bit because it's made very clear their priority at the beginning is to learn the language because if they don't, they will be crippled for life. So we'll try not to give them too much to do uh, in that first year as they learn the language. And we're hoping that by the summer of 2022, that Bible preaching institute that we've been praying for and working at will be able to open by then. And uh, so, yeah, well, what can you pray for us? Just uh, for our family, um, that God will continue to um, uh, be with us. And uh, thank you for, um, I know a lot of you were aware of um, the, the bit of the difficult time that we went through last year with, uh, um, in last June, we had, a, we had a miscarriage and lost our little Nathaniel. And uh, uh, we didn't really have time or we didn't grieve properly and it was still heavy on my wife's heart and so last November she uh, basically went through a really hard time a mild depression with um, being completely physically and emotionally exhausted uh, and so but by the grace of God she hung on to the word uh, and that's something that I would really want to share with you that you, you know, even in those times where it seems really dark, where it seems that God seems far, where it seems that it's not going well, to still hang on to your disciplines of grace, of reading your Bible and praying day after day. And God is faithful and he answers and he took her through. And uh, the fact that we went on holiday for three weeks on the beach helped too. But, um, and, uh, and so uh, with all of that, yeah, we're really thankful for your prayers. We know that we could not do this without you guys praying and holding the rope for us. We're really thankful for your prayer and for your partnership. And so... That's the seven of us, just looking different. Um, <laughs> those are called dancing lemurs, and because that's how they walk. Um, anyway, I'm distracted. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions for me? Yes. Hi. Three. <laughs> yeah, Ravwangi. Yeah. Okay. Pturteni, Ptanjna, Panumpu. And you're surprised because I thought it would be an M, and you're pronouncing P's. Yeah. I know, I'm not that confused. It's just that the word is MP 
uh, it's spelled MP and the M is silent. It, well, it's not like fully silent. Yeah. And those are all participles, the one who preaches, the one who shepherds, and the one who serves. That's why it's the, the same structure. Oh, wow. Uh, we were both born at a very young age. And, uh, <laughs> so um, I was born into a Christian family, did the whole thing of going to school, uh, to, to church, and being faithful to Sunday school, Saturday school, any kind of camp or whatever kids' event that would be available, would ace all those Bible verses, and was pretty much a good little Pharisee. And... Um, and it's at age 15, I uh, took one of my best friends at the time uh, to a Christian camp, wanting to um, uh, bring him to the Lord, thinking I was the good kid, he was the bad kid, uh, that uh, the Lord brought me to my knees and brought me to realize that I was pretty bad. So um, that's where I accepted the Lord as my Savior and never looked back after that. Uh, and from early, the Lord kind of... Uh, put into my heart that desire to serve him and to teach God's word, actually. My, for my um, uh, wife, it's a little bit different. She was born when she was born. Her parents were not believers yet. Her parents were converted when she was at the age of six or somewhere there. And, but once they were converted, they were really uh, good evangelists. And when they would have people over at home, they, um, they would always share the gospel with that person. And one of those days, Lily was uh, sitting in, on the stairs listening to them giving that gospel presentation to the guests. And then she realized that, yeah, she as well needed that um, uh, that same gospel, and and then after the guest left, she talked to her father, and uh, that's how she accepted Christ. So, yeah, so we were both converted around the age of fifteen, both of us. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yes. In the beginning, God created the heavens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're nine now. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're taking, it's $2,100 a month in reality, but what that represents for people in the country is the equivalent of what $10,000 represent for you here. That's what I mean. That's what I meant. Yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. We have, so here in Madagascar, it's not the 80-20 that we usually hear, you know, like 80% of the wealth within 20% of the population, the hands of 20% of the population, somewhere like that. In Madagascar, it's more like 90-10 or 95-5. So there are some people who are really, really, really rich. I mean, there's, in that school, there's, yeah, there's Malagasy people who send four or five of their kids to that school. So, 
you need to be able to afford that. So yes, there's a lot of wealth. We are a country that is blessed with resources. Some of the uh, you know biologists call us call us the Noah's Ark actually because there's a lot of things that only exist in Madagascar. We and in terms of resources, we have everything you can think of. We're number one exporter of vanilla in the world, number three in shrimp farming in the world. We have every precious stone you can think of except. Um, except diamonds, maybe. But apart from that, you could find everything. And, you know, um, uh, that's how uh, sometimes I get people to sign up for STMs. When I tell them the price of the, the semi-precious stones in Madagascar, they want to come just for, for the Lord, you know. So, <laughs> so, yes, it is very unfortunate. But the thing is that a lot of those rich families try to keep it that way. And one of the biggest flaws and the reason why it is this way is our educational system. It is really, really poor, which is one of the reasons why we've chose to homeschool our kids as well. And, well, I mean, the opportunity like one that Daniel has is very rare to get into a private school like that. Oh, there's plenty of everything that is needed to, to do essential oils as well in Madagascar. Yeah, we have a lot of that. Yep. <laughs> Any last question? No. Yes. No. Yes. Oh yeah, it's called craftsman. Um, uh, like craftsman. <laughs> Is it there? It's uh, by um, by uh, John. There you go. By John Crutz. He's a graduate of the seminary here. And it is really, really good. It is. We're, we're almost done with it. And now we're looking for something as good to do together. <laughs>